Wallaby Cobb. Oh, yeah, and welcome to the Super 70s Sports Show. I am Ricky Cobb, joined as always by the international podcast star, the immortal Ronald T-Shirts. Ronnie, how the fuck are you? We said coming into this year that we were going to try to do this every week, and we've already fucking shot that resolution to hell just like probably 97% of everybody else's New Year's resolutions have already been shot to hell. I have confirmation that I am indeed an international podcast star. You want to know how? I do, in fact, want to know how. So I get uh, I get a text uh, this morning from Ryan to our uh, to little group chat we have with some friends here. In uh, Franklin, it says, Ryan says, I'm going to say this publicly. Ron will be so happy. Hunter, who's his son, said he just walked into the house. And again, Hunter's in England now, right? Because he's doing the soccer thing. He walked into the house after training today and he heard Ron's voice. He walked upstairs and Ryan jokingly calls the guy that there's the family he's staying with. He calls, uh, Steve Screech, who's fantastic name, by the way. What's up, Steve? Um, he calls him his English dad. He says he walks upstairs and his English dad was listening to Ron's podcast while he was working. Hashtag international podcast star. What? What a bloke. Right? This guy must be. Steve Screech, man. He is like, he's he's the man. He's the man in Sudbury, England. Shout out. Yep. Steve. We uh we appreciate it. So confirmation that I am indeed an international podcast star, and it's just not you just pumping up my ego. God save the Queen and Winston Churchill and Pete Best. And Bangers and Mash. Uh what else? Dude, I'm going to England in a few months. I well listen, that was one of my topics I wanted to talk about. So let's go. Talk to us. Well, we know one of our favorite uh, running things is all the goddamn vacations that you take and me trying to figure out if the tail's wagging the dog or what is happening in this relationship of ours. But I'm finally going to be the guy with some vacation stories. So um, I'm turning I'm turning the the game around on its head on you, man. You're going to have to stay in America and hold it down for Super 70s while I make my way around the UK. I cannot tell you how freaking much you're going to love it. I can't wait, dude. Uh, it, it has been top of my list for international travel since I was a kid, and I just never just never made it overseas. So it's about, it's about fucking time. And there's so much shit I want to see and experience over there. And we're going to get to go through a few different countries. So it's, uh, do you know how long, do you know what kind of time frame you're going to have? I don't, you know, actually I need to, I need to ask my friend that I'm going with the, uh, the great Jeff Lipsy shout out to Jeff Lipsy. Jeff is the man who does the, uh, Oh my God, my God, my God. It's gotta be Cobb at the, okay. uh, at the uh, intro and outro of every episode. So he's a pretty great motherfucker. And remind, remind me and, and our, our international audience, how, how, you know, Jeff, 
Uh, Jeff was friends with uh, the the mother of my children. They were high school friends, and um, he and I met God twenty five plus years ago when um, she and I were in college, and he and I fucking hit it off. And you know we've been we've been great friends ever since. One of my one of my dearest longest term friends. So he chose you in the breakup. <laughs> I did. I got custody of Jeff in the breakup. <laughs> nice. They they haven't been on speaking terms for like at least a decade. Huh. And uh he, he and I are uh you know we're we're as close as, as we've ever been. Oh I, I just I cannot tell you how excited I am for you because I'm just like I'm just thinking of all the things that I'm I'm not gonna bore everybody uh on the podcast about where I want you to go and what I want you to see. I'll, I'll, I'll get that to you at some point, but dude, like Ireland is just, just visually beautiful. It is just driving around. It is visually beautiful. Um, Scotland is fantastic. I think some of the nicest, friendliest people I've ever, like of all the places I've been, they're so friendly there. They're awesome. Um, big fan of Northern Ireland, uh, England. I like, I'm not a fan of London, but I, you know, I think we've talked about this. I don't like big cities, um, but yeah, dude, this is just fantastic. And I cannot wait to try to help you figure out some places to go and see. I'm psyched, dude. I mean, we, we've got Augusta in April and then I'm going to chase that with, uh, with this trip. So, uh, and, and we have, uh, I, I don't think that it's, really too soon to let people have a sneak preview. We're going to have the first ever super 70 sports fucking meet up, get together, whatever you want to call it. It's going to be at city field in June, making my way to Queens to uh, see the, the New York goddamn Mets, Ronnie. That is our major league partner for the first ever super 70 sports uh, goddamn Lollapalooza or, or whatever the fuck it is. I mean, you're going to be the king of Queens. I'm going to be the goddamn king of Queens, Ronnie, and uh, excited about it. Hopefully, uh, you know, we'll get to meet a lot of folks, New York being an area where it's crawling with sweet bastards and Super 70s fans. And and my cat, can you hear my cat fucking singing? Not it's, really. Uh, this, this guy's like, he's like one of the three tenors, this motherfucker. I, how do my cats know? that I'm recording a podcast, like they, they won't make a fucking peep. And I turn on the recorder and suddenly it's, it's like fucking madness. Explain that to me. You know, I don't know, Ricky, but you're a cat dude. I'm not a cat guy. I'm a dog. Yeah. Guy. I'm a goddamn cat guy. Look, I like dogs. I do. I like dogs. But I'm I'm with dogs the way some grandparents are with their grandkids. You know, I want to come to your house. I'll immediately make best friends with your dog. Dogs love me. Mm-hmm. So, like, if I go somewhere, dogs are fucking drawn to me like bees to honey. But, um, I, I you know, it's like I want to love them up and then, like, I, I want to send them home or I want to go home. Well, it's because you smell like sausage. <laughs> well, I don't think that's what it is at all. Ricky, I was around you for an hour and a half, like five years ago. I don't know what you smell like. I was going to say, I'm glad that you didn't say that I smelled like sausage that day. I, this is how rumors get started. 
This is my friend. He smells like sausage. If, if there are any Ricky Cobb sausage rumors, I don't want that to be what it is. So it's interesting you bring up the whole dog thing. Is So we have had four dogs. And so we have we have a dog now, Carmen, that we've had for this July, be four years. And the weirdest thing is happening is in the past, all our dogs have either just worshipped Lori and only wanted to be with her. Or we did have one. Our first dog kind of was split down the middle. But this dog, I don't know, Carmen in the last, I don't know, Ricky, three, four months, she won't leave me alone. Like she has to. And she's little. She's like 14, 13, 14 pounds. And all she wants to do is lay with me, be with me, have me hold her. It's weird. And like Lori, Lori and I sit we don't sit cuddling on the couch when we watch TV. We kind of, you know, have a little bit of space in between us. So we both have an armrest on the couch. And she's like, I can't believe, like, she won't lay with me anymore. She's like, all she wants to do is be with you. It's very weird. Very weird. Uh, she senses that you're the alpha, Ronnie. I actually think that she's the first. I actually was going to say that to Lori the other day because we were like, what's going on? Why is this happening? And I think she's probably the first dog that says, well, he's the loudest and the biggest one in this house, so I guess he's the alpha. My ex-girlfriend got a little dog and a super energetic dog, one of these dogs that would like just ping pong off of you the minute that you walked in, uh-huh. um, just crazy, hyper excited, like, like, you know, like, like the dog was tweaking. Yeah. And, uh, my ex asked, uh, some like dog behavior person, you know, I don't know who it was, but it wasn't just like somebody, it was somebody that was involved in dog training. And they told her that, uh, the, the dog just, you know, the dog just smelled the alpha on me. It probably smelled like sausage. It smelled like sausage. <laughs> Maybe uh, it was sausage. I thought it was alpha. Oh, uh, that's so funny. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's just, uh, I'm a cat yeah. guy, Ronnie. I'm a cat whisperer. You're a cat whisperer. I'm a cat whisperer. Yeah. I mean, I, I have two cats. I, you know, I, they, they've both made it into tweets uh, from, from time to time. But uh, Gene Cobb and Tina Cobb, uh, I've had them for eight years. And uh, they are, uh, you know, they're practically, they're, they're practically my sixth and seventh children, Ronnie. Do, you, do they sleep with you? Uh, yeah. Yeah, they do. Oh, I'll tell you, man, it's, it, it's so our dogs have always slept with us, which I can't believe. Like if you had told me when I was whatever, 24, 25 years old, hey, you're going to sleep with a dog the rest of your life. I'd be like, well, that's not happening. And now if Carmen's not in bed, when I like if Lori and Carmen are out and I'm already in bed, dude, I like I feel like because I always like kind of put my hand on Carmen and I just kind of. I just kind of rub her back or whatever, and it kind of soothes me to sleep. And if she's not there, I'm like, okay, this is weird. But anyway, um, so the other thing I could have I could have answered when you're like, how are things going or whatever, dude? We are in the middle of a snowpocalypse in Nashville. Okay, what qualifies as a snowpocalypse in Nashville? Because you, your guys' standards are going to be a little different than the ones that we have here in Chicago. Correct, and you understand 
why is because you can't justify having millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of snow removal equipment and supplies when it snows once every three or four years, right? So it's like Atlanta. I used to live in Atlanta. Same thing. You get snow, it's over. You literally have to wait for the sun to get rid of it. So we got six-ish inches in Franklin. I think that's what she said. (laughs) Um, I think other parts of Nashville got maybe up to eight. That's what she said. Um, so six inches, and now, like in my neighborhood, the streets, Ricky, are just the snow that was there is all packed down, and it's just kind of like ice. So there's no school on on Monday because uh, of MLK Day. They immediately called school off Tuesday and today, and there's no chance there's going to be school the rest of the week because. It will have to be until the sun melts all this stuff around here. So, of course, all the fools saw that, you know, it's going to snow. So what's the first thing that they had to do? They had to run to the grocery store. Hey, I know the answer to this. As a native Kentuckian and who spent the first 31 years of my life in the Kentucky, in in the Kentucky, in Kentucky, as you know, I'm a son of the South, Ronnie. Uh, you've, You've probably lived as long in the South. Uh, as, as I did, but that's where I originated. Uh, there's going to be a run on milk and bread. Is is what it's what I'm predicting. Why? It makes because, sense. Like, for some people, it's like they think that it, you know that they're never going to get out of their house again, and they don't want to die, so th- they need <laughs> milk and bread. This was this was true when I was a kid. The, the local grocery that, that we had in Horse Cave, Kentucky, because I'm just a kid from Horse Cave, Ronnie. What, what, was it, what, what was the grocery store called? Do you remember? Houchins. Okay. Houchins. Was it like an IGA? Was it an IGA? It was, it was uh, similar to that. It wasn't an IGA. It was its own chain. Um, but, it, you know, it's a, it's a small little country grocery store. And... You know, the, 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 the reality is even if they called for two or three inches of snow, you'd go in there and you'd find two loaves of bread and, and maybe a, a you know, a, a, a half a gallon of like whatever variety of milk you didn't normally like. Yeah. Some skim milk. <laughs> yeah. You'd have, oh, Hey, look, I'm a skim milk guy, Ron. Give me skim milk all all day, baby. Anything else tastes too too thick for me. Wait, have we ever talked about this about growing up poor and me with milk? <laughs> no, I don't think so, dude, dude. So I absolutely did. You have to go and just like nurse a neighbor or something like that guy in uh, <laughs> the fucking grapes of wrath. I didn't read that book, but um, I can gotta get your picture. Um, I so grew up poor which is funny because I didn't know we were poor until I was older. And my mom got was like, yeah, you know, we didn't really have any money. I'm like, wow, and you guys did a good job because I didn't know we were that poor. But Ricky, I grew up, are you ready? Drinking powdered milk, like that carnation powdered milk, except we didn't even have carnation money. We had the store brand, probably generic, like it just said milk on the box, right? And so that's what I grew up drinking, and that's to me what milk was. And so now anything above like 
any kind of milk I think is so gross. Like it's thick and bleh. And it's because I spent my yeah skim. You got to go skim, baby. Yeah, but I don't. I don't really have many occasions. Like if I if I ever eat cereal, I use like almond milk now because it's got like no calories in it. Um, but um, but yeah, man. Like I grew up drinking, you know, powdered milk that was you know you add water to it and there's your milk. And so regular milk, just like you said, like anything higher than skim, you feel the same way. So yeah. All right, look, I'm going to ask you something, but I'm going to say up front, I don't want to go down, I don't want to go down the OOO Ozempic rabbit hole with you today. But you were telling me the other day when you and I were 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 talking on the phone that the fat shot early results, you're very happy. Dude, I'll give you 1 minute. I'll give you a minute and a half tops, maybe not even that much. I'll take the over. It's going to change. It's going to change my life, Ricky. I have lost 13 pounds. Um, I'm two weeks and a day in. I've lost 13 pounds as of yesterday. Um, I don't think about food anymore. Um, I'm rarely hungry. I, I, it's crazy for me. The craziest thing about it, Ricky, is the not thinking about food. Like I'm not obsessed with food. I think I shared with you. I, I, I said to Lori the other day, I go, I'm not getting food boners anymore. Right. Like I'm not seeing like a picture of pizza or a commercial or anything. And I'm getting excited where I'm like, oh, my God, I have to have it. I I don't even I don't think about it. I'm eating. uh, It's crazy, man. It's crazy. I I hope that this lasts. I think it's going to because it has worked for a million people. And what they said was going to happen is happening. And Ricky, I could be a, a shell of myself at some point in the future. Like by the time. Like uh, I'm hoping that I, I I can go to the Mets thing with you. Like I should be like just a just a waif of a man by then. All right. Well, you know, you're putting me on notice because I can't live in a world where you're thinner than I am. <laughs> oh, oh, dude, we're really far from we're really, really far from that. So you don't have to worry about that. So we're good. I can't, you know, I don't know though. You know, I I had a friend who got a lap band surgery. Yeah, like you know, like ten or twelve years ago, and he went from like three thirty to like, like a like a buck eighty. Oh wow! And I just and I oh, just stayed I just stayed still and just watched him like melt melt past me. Oh wow! Yeah, so I think I shared with you uh, when we talked about this the other time, and I'm being really conscious of this is I actually am trying to not lose weight fast because especially. At my super advanced age of fifty-seven. Oh shit! Uh, yeah, yeah. What 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 do they call it? What kind of face is it? Old face. I don't want to get old face, man. I don't want to get face, droopy. baby. Yeah, I don't want to get <laughs> droopy. I don't want to get droopy by losing losing it too fast. So just gonna go just nice and steady, and then boom, I'll be. You'll uh, have to grow a beard at that point because you'll get that uh, you'll get that turkey neck. Oh, it's already, it's already starting to rear itself. Even, even as a fat guy, it's rearing itself. So I'm telling you, buddy, you grow a beard and turkey neck will be the least of your concerns. All right. We'll see. We'll see. So, um, all right, we're done. We're not going to talk about that shot, but we can do, we can do a little update every once in a while. See how it's going. Hopefully. Absolutely. I think, uh, I think everybody's rooting for you, motherfucker. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully it's always going to be good news. So, uh, since we weren't able to do the um, podcast last week, um, 
I do have to say, I cannot tell you how fucking hilarious I think it is that uh, Saban and Belichick and to a lesser extent, Pete Carroll all quit right after the national championship game. And so Michigan's getting no shine for their national championship. It's fucking hilarious to me. Well, I don't think it was Pete Carroll's idea. No, no, no. But I'm just saying the fact I'm saying too. That's why I said to a lesser extent. But yeah, Michigan got a 12 hour basically news cycle of, hey, Michigan won the national championship. And then all of a sudden everybody wakes up. They're like, hey, guess what? Saban's retiring. They totally forgot about that. Michigan won a national championship. Perfect for me. It's perfect for me. yeah, it's it was interesting to me, uh, you know, the reaction to that. I had people sending me text and reaching out to me and saying, "Hey, did you hear about Saban? Did you hear about Saban?" And you know, it's a big deal. I, I, I guess I, he's he's the goat. I, I don't think you can, I don't think that you can say otherwise and be taken seriously. I mean, you know, the guy won. What what did he win? Seven total. Uh, six with Bama, one with LSU. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, you know, from pretty humble beginnings, if, you know, if you look back on the days when he was going six and six every year at Michigan state and assistant coaching uh, under Belichick in Cleveland and had a not spectacular tenure in Miami Along the way and, uh, you know, to end up, he only lost 29 games in 17 years. I think I read at Alabama. So that's pretty, that's pretty good shit. And they, they came real close. They came, they came real, real close to, uh, to beating Michigan. He, he, he could have gone out a champion cause I think they were going to, uh, I think they were going to take care of Washington. So I think there's like a, a number of factors to why Saban decided to retire now. Um, you know, he's 72 years old. And I think the biggest thing, and this is just me speculating, right? Like I don't have any inside inside sources, but I think he is looking at the new landscape of college football and he's just going, like, I'm too old for this. I'm not interested in this whole NIL thing I'm not interested in. Think about this, Ricky, because of NIL and because of the transfer portal, now coaches have to recruit players to come to their school, their high school players. And now, obviously, the cream of the crop ones, it's more about money than anything. Like, how much money will you give me to come play to your school? But then once they get them at their school, now they have to keep recruiting them to stay. And I think Nick Saban's like, yeah, I'm not playing that shit. Like, I'm not going to sit there and kiss some freaking kid's ass for four years to get him to stay here because now these kids can go to the transfer portal anytime they want. And I just think, like, I'm too old for this shit. I have an alternate theory. You know what my theory is? Tell me. That fucking center of his just sent him into retirement. He said, fuck this. This that kid, that, a kid, a kid did it. He was like, I, I, he's like, I don't care if the kids in the transfer portal or not. I'm fucking out of here. I can't, I can't handle this anymore. That motherfucker. So you remember that whole long conversation we had about that? And I was just incredulous. You know, yeah. he, you know, he transferred to Ohio State. <laughs> Where hopefully he's not going to play center. 
I don't know, man, but it's it's literally like karma that I went that hard on the kid. And then two days later, they're like, hey, he's transferred to Ohio State. There's no way that they're going to play him at center. I don't know, man. <laughs> well, I hope how, not. Could, how could you trust him ever, ever? The center should never be fucking noticed, bro. I agree. The center should never be fucking noticed. I agree. You know, if the center, if you never fucking notice him, that probably means he played a good game. Oh, he's, 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 he's Mike Webster or Jason Kelsey. Just like, no, he's hall of fame. If we don't hear your name, you're going to the hall of fame, right? This it's the worst performance I've ever seen from a center. Yep. in, In any football game I've ever watched. I would not let him snap fucking anything ever again the rest of his life he either needs to learn how to be a guard or you know fucking go somewhere else i mean if i if i had a terrible 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 program i guess you could and he was just you know a more elite athlete than i could typically recruit then you know maybe you give him a chance because you have nothing to lose anyway because you know you're going to be playing in the fucking pop tarts bowl if you're lucky but um you know god bless that kid but jesus he he shat the bed on the on the big stage yep so you you i think i think i've talked about on the podcast before i'm not going to go into the whole story but i will always have a uh, a special place in my heart for saban because what he did for me when i was in high school i told you his wife was my English teacher and he hooked me up and I got to interview some Ohio state players for a journalism class. So he will always, uh, always have a special place in my heart. So, well, that's, that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful touching uh, moment there between yourself and the Saban family. Uh, it, what did you think about the uh, weekend's uh, NFL playoff action as, as we've gotten underway? Uh, well, we got robbed of that snow game. Man, didn't we? What the what the fuck is what the fuck has happened to us? I don't, R- Ricky. There is nothing. There is nothing that feels better as a football fan of just football. Like obviously, I'm not talking about watching your team play in a, a significant game, but look, I'm just watching football, and I love football. To be in your coziest clothes, fireplace going, maybe. You have some good food, some comfort food, and you're you're on your couch, kind of comfortable, maybe in a recliner, lazy boy action. Maybe you have a lazy boy. It's not a lazy boy, but I I have a recliner. I have a recliner. Of course I do. I'm a I'm a I'm a 52 year old American male. Of course I, just, I do. I, I just got one. Oh, I love it so much. Um, but you're in that situation. You're settling in for some football, and Ricky, there's so much snow you can't believe it, and you just feel so safe and cozy in your own house, and you're watching these gladiators just play in snow for you. It's the best, and that got freaking taken away from us. Snow games are fun, period. They're fun, and you don't get many of them, and when you get them, they're special. And I, you know, I still remember the, uh, wasn't it Thanksgiving of 93, maybe the, the dolphins and Cowboys. Do you remember Keith Byers? Do Ohio I, State wait, boy? Wait, wait, who, wait, wait, wait. Do I remember Keith Byers? No, I'm just saying, do you remember what Keith Byers did in that game? What did he do? 
he returned a kick like 95 yards or 100 yards for a touchdown and made snow angels in the end zone. Love it. Uh, that was the game where uh, the uh, uh, Dolphins were going for a game-winning field goal and the Cowboys blocked it. And instead of just letting it die, Leon Lett jumped on it in the end zone. No, that wasn't. That's not. Yeah, that's the wrong game. Leon Lett did that. Leon Lett. That was a different game. It wasn't in '93. I'm pretty sure it was. Mm -mm. Look it up. Dolphins and Cowboys Thanksgiving '93. Look it up. I'm going to. Um, did I? Uh, I've never told you this Keith Byer story, have I? I've never. I He's he's the only person who went to Ohio State that you haven't told me uh, their story. So my freshman year of college uh, was nine. It was the fall of '84, and yeah. so there was a presidential election in November of '84. So Ronald Reagan uh, came and spoke at St. John Arena, where they played basketball at the time. So. My friends and I made a 30-foot-long, 8-feet-tall banner that said Reagan, Bush, and Byers, 84, because that's the year that Flutie stole the Heisman from Byers. And so we got on the local news, and they, like, talked to us and showed our big sign in front of – St. John Arena, but uh, yeah, you you bringing up Byers' name just made me think about that. Reagan, Bush, and Byers, '84. Well, what more can be said, Ron? Well, you could have brought up the fact you could have pontificated on the fact that Flutie stole the Heisman from him because he made a long pass against Miami. Well, I mean, look, I'm on Doug Flutie's side on that one. I don't remember a goddamn thing that Keith Byers did at Ohio State <laughs> other than maybe he made – I think maybe he made a long touchdown run with one shoe on. He did against Illinois. Yeah, I remember that. And uh, But, my God, I remember where I was when Flutie made that pass. It was like the fucking JFK assassination at the time. All right, you ready, Ricky? Super Bowl – XXV11. What's that? I don't even know. That's 50, 57. All right. He nearly set the record for the longest fumble return in Super Bowl history. 64. No, wait a minute. 20, 27. Dude, you're looking at the Super Bowl. Leon Lett fucked up more than once, Ron. You're thinking of Don Beebe chasing him down and knocking the ball out of his hand because he let up when he got inside the 10-yard line. Yeah. I'm talking about him trying to recover a blocked punt in the end zone at Texas Stadium in Dallas. Okay. Yeah. They block they blocked a game-winning field goal attempt and instead of just letting the ball die in the end zone game over, he went over and tried to recover it and like it knocked and it went for a safety. This and they got and they got to attempt the field goal again and they made it and they beat Dallas. Hey, this is why you're it's a famous snow game. But see, you're not really a fucking American. Are you who you say you are? Listen, I'm just going to say, listen, I'm gonna say, this is why you're Ricky Cobb and I'm Ronnie T-shirts. Since Leon let went for the ball and touched it by rule, the play was considered a muff kick and the Dolphins were given possession on the one yard line with three seconds showing on the clock. Yeah. Why do you ever doubt me? You know what? 
moving forward, my pledge is I will never doubt you again, ever. All right. I'm glad we've sorted that out. Which is huge ammunition for you now because now you know you can just fuck with me and I have to fucking believe you. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to start making shit up now. (laughs) Like telling stories about myself you have no choice except for to go along with it and corroborate it yep that's what it is so anyway, an amazing future i have oh so, yeah so nfl playoffs what do i think about them um holy crap dude like did dallas just shit the better what that was brutal that was really brutal you know dallas it's you know it's it's a meme at this point that the cowboys are overrated pretty much perpetually and that the Cowboys will always let you down in the end. But I think this year, despite a couple of hiccups along the way, I think this year we all thought Dallas was at least sort of for real. And I would have expected Dallas to have made it to the NFC championship game this year. And what did they have a 16 game winning streak at home that they just, um, got obliterated by the by the Green Bay fucking Packers. Obliterated, Ricky. But yeah, it wasn't even close. I mean, the game was not as close as the score. Um if if Dallas hadn't scored a touchdown right before the half, they would have gone into halftime down 27 nothing. And then the Packers had a ton of second and third stringers uh playing in this at the end of the game. And that's when Dallas kept having, you know, all their scores. Um, it was, yeah, brutal. Like they have to, like McCarthy got fired, what, yesterday? Am I right about that? Didn't he just get fired? I hadn't even heard that he got fired. Well, he has to be there, right? If he didn't? I haven't heard that he got fired. No, let me look. Let me look. Um, do you, um, so, so, um, so, so do you think, um, where do you think Belichick's going to land? Because we really kind of glossed over Belichick not being with the Patriots anymore. Like, don't you think he's going to go someplace where there's like some solid players instead of having to try to build something? Cause I know he interviewed for, he interviewed with Atlanta the other day. That just seems like a weird place for him to go. It does seem like a weird place for him to go. I can confirm by the way, that as of uh, the time that we are taping this podcast, <laughs> Mike McCarthy has not been fired. Okay. You, right. you fired Mike McCarthy just don't now. Ever, can ever. you, can you, can you fire the bears coach? While you're at it, I think it's really, I think it's really interesting that the Atlanta Falcons, who went seven and ten for the third year in a row, have had enough to the point that they have already interviewed Bill Belichick and Jim Harbaugh. So look, whoever the Falcons end up getting or not getting, if they land one of those guys, if they end up not getting either one of them. Kudos to the Atlanta Falcons for bringing in, you know, at least in terms of reputation, the two best available coaches, like a team that's actually trying to fucking solve some problems. The Bears, on the other hand, they're just going to keep their shitty, shitty fucking coach, which is the typical Bears thing to do. Something dental floss. What's his last name? I don't Eber Eberflus Eberflus. What's his fucking name? Yeah, he sucks. Well, he so sucks. so how so how about this, Ricky? This is the difference, right? So uh, with Jeff Lurie, that's the owner of the Eagles. Like everybody's predicting, uh, Sirianni's getting fired, right? Like after that just massive collapse the Eagles have had, 
uh, in the past, what, six games, including the Buccaneers two nights ago? I'm usually not a fan of coaches being fired that have had seasons that were as successful as the Eagles season was, even, you know, at least in terms of their overall record. But the Eagles cratered so spectacularly that um, I think you almost have to fire the guy. And, and I am one who thinks that generally speaking, if a coach is performing well, at least most years, that I think teams change coaches too much, really. It's just the frustrating, you know, when you're frustrated, you want to do something. Absolutely. And, and I understand that impulse, but I think that you, you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, People are speculating about Mike Tomlin's future. Uh, he, he actually said he's coming back next year. Yeah, and I assumed that he probably would. Um, but you look at it, the, the Steelers, I think one of the most impressive facts in, in sports is that the Pittsburgh Steelers have had three head coaches since 1969. Literally unbelievable, isn't it? It's literally unbelievable. It's pretty incredible when you when you really think about it. Three yeah. coaches in that amount of time. And I've looked at it. The Cleveland Browns have had something like 21 or 22 coaches in that time, head coaches. I thought it was more like 80. <laughs> no, no, that's that's starting quarterbacks. Starting quarterbacks. <laughs> I believe, yeah. Spurgeon win. Didn't they have Spurgeon win at some point start? Look, they they've had they've had everybody at some at some point or another. It's it's been uh it's been a parade of uh, dysfunction, but uh, look, shout out to Joe Flacco. He, he he gave it what he had, man. He was he was flinging it like he like he was the all time quarterback in the backyard at Thanksgiving for this uh, this run of his at the end of the regular season and uh, in the playoffs. Uh, he he came up snake eyes, but shout out to Joe Flacco for. Uh, Pretty goddamn impressive uh, gunsling and run that he put together. A lot of interceptions, but uh, a ton of touchdown passes too. It was fun. It was fun to watch, and it was a nice little reminder that Joe Flacco was a Super Bowl winning quarterback. How about how about the fact that that this is important to me that the narrative is now over that Ohio State quarterbacks cannot perform in the NFL. Because C.J. Stroud is a bad man. Dude, he threw for over 4,000 yards this year during the regular season, and he had five interceptions. He's a bad, bad man, Ricky. A rookie quarterback, a rookie quarterback who throws for over 4,000 yards and has five interceptions, and three of those five interceptions came in the same game. Okay. He threw interceptions in only three different games this season, protecting the football at, you know, that's Aaron Rodgers level discrimination in, in your, in your uh, reads and in the throws that you make. It's hard. It's so hard to have uh, interceptions that you can count on one hand when you start all season. And to do that as a rookie, look, I think, that and already put up a playoff win with what did he have like basically a perfect passer rating or almost a perfect passer rating and you know what so did you see did you see that the, the side by side props out to Jordan Love too because he had almost the exact same stats in that game against Dallas that CJ had against uh, the Browns 
yeah, it, 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 very impressive stuff from both of those young men. And, um, you know, look, he, he, we've talked about it before. The, the, the Panthers took, they took the wrong guy, man. Like Bryce young, you, you could cut, you could like quarter CJ Stroud into four pieces and each of the four pieces of CJ Stroud would be better than Bryce young. Yeah, I was having this conversation with Tyler last night. Um, short quarterbacks, they can be good at times, right? There's no question that a short quarterback can have a good game. But if you're under 6'1", tell me quarterbacks under 6'1", that have taken you to the pinnacle. Is Drew Brees it? Well, Drew Brees was the one that came to mind, and he's probably the exception that proves the rule. Right. You know, I don't have my uh, I don't have my handy dandy quarterback height chart in front of me, so I'm sure I'm missing somebody. Um, but yeah, it's not a long list. And look, hey, I, I, I've said it many times on this podcast. It's remarkable what an inexact science scouting quarterbacks is, given the fact that everybody knows it's the most important position in the sport. It gets scrutinized and evaluated harder probably than any other position in the sport. Teams are motivated to get their guy at that position more than any other position in team sports, probably in the world. And with all the millions of dollars of resources and analytics and film study and experts reviewing measurables and, and game footage and arm strength and mobility and everything that you can imagine. And I'm sure that there are dozens and dozens of other uh, indicators that they're looking at that I, I'm not even smart enough to know what they are. And yet it seems like they may as well just be fishing their hand into a hat and, and, and just pulling out a number. Well, I just, I just, I just, I thought of another one. I confirmed it. There's another short quarterback that's won it all. And he's turned into about the worst quarterback in the NFL, Russell Wilson. <laughs> that's a little harsh. He yeah. had a better, he had a better year this year than last year. But he got his ass benched and he's not going to be on that team next year. Well, they were going to be on the hook for a lot of money. Like a lot of money. $39 million or something. The fact but. that the fucking dumbass Browns owe Deshaun Watson like a quarter of a billion dollars. That's, a, that's another dumb franchise. That's a – it taint very smart, is it, Ronnie? <laughs> it surely taint. Brock Purdy, you know, they can't all be Brock Purdy, but – you know, it's the 49 the 49ers just got fucking lucky, man. They took Trey Lance. You know, they wasted a they wasted what the second or third or fourth pick, whatever it was, on Trey Lance. Traded and, for it, but they traded for it, so they gave up draft picks for it. Yeah, it was worse than that. And then they basically just bailed them out by grabbing their franchise quarterback and and one of the going to be one of the great quarterbacks of his generation with the last pick in the fucking draft man it's that's that's really really crazy but as we've said before Tom Brady's sixth round pick Joe yep. Montana third round pick Tony you Romo know, Tony Romo was what undrafted and then coincidentally he turned to do the most annoying fucking announcer that I've ever listened to 
All right, look, I got I to gotta comment on it briefly. I was like everybody else in the beginning. There was something refreshingly different about him in the beginning. I don't know if it was the, the enthusiasm or his little parlor trick of predicting what the next play was going to be, but everybody was raving about this cat in the beginning, including me. And now he is just so fucking annoying. It's like getting cornered at a party by some guy that just won't shut the fuck up and you can't figure out a way to like get out of the conversation to just you, get to another corner of the room. Do you remember your tweet? Cause I actually sent that tweet to a bunch of my friends and they're all cracking up about it. What it was, where I said he was like, what, what where I was, I was equating him to your neighbor. Yes. Yeah. What was it? I said that your neighbor who excitedly come or he steps on a twig and he has some like, I don't, it was just funny. It was funny. I can't remember exactly what it was, but when I sent it to my friends, they're like, oh my God, yes, that's exactly what he's like. Yeah, I think I said that he was basically your neighbor that just immediately pops up and starts some bullshit conversation, you know, the minute that a twig snaps under your foot when you like, step oh outside. God, there's a twig snapped. Oh, it was a twig. I wonder what kind of twig it was. Ooh, it was a big Hey, twig. how you doing today? <laughs> you know, this is some weather we're having, huh? And, and, and that's Tony Romo and Jesus Christ. I, I, you know, it's, it's a hard listen. I am generally not one who gets too annoyed by game announcers. I get annoyed by Stephen A. Smith. I get annoyed by Skip Bayless. I get I get annoyed by a lot of the, uh, just, you know, fucking mindless chatter that, that gets put out on, in studio shows. I get annoyed with these, NFL studio teams like are they just getting are they just getting bigger and bigger and bigger like they, they they have to like how far do they have to like put the camera back now just to get like every guy in the shot when like <laughs> when like every dude in the Fox studio is like standing there they they you know we we almost need like the all 22 camera now just so that we can see these motherfuckers in the studio you know, everybody fake laughing like they're having the best time of their life. These studio shows are just the fakest, fakest fucking uh, 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 shit. Howard Cosell is spinning in his grave uh, like a pinwheel every, every time uh, we get one of these segments. Would you not love just to have Phyllis, Irv, Brent, and Jimmy again? Man, bring it back. Let's fucking run it back. I, I, I'm telling you, sometimes less is more. Uh, I, I could use one more week of the NFL today with Jimmy the Greek talking about intangibles and Phyllis George, the beautiful Phyllis George, the former uh, Miss America and the former first lady of the uh, Commonwealth of Kentucky. Yeah, just, a, nice. just a lovely, lovely woman who we, we sadly lost um, in the last couple of years. But I always thought that Phyllis George was one of the most beautiful women. Yeah. And Irv Cross. Irv Cross is wonderful. Who does who doesn't love? If you don't love Irv Cross, go fuck yourself. That might be the name Wait, of the podcast. You just, named, you just named the podcast. I think I just named the podcast. Yes. Yeah, I'll do. I'll do the F apostrophe. Yeah. E. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't love Irv Cross, go fuck yourself. Yeah, that's the title of the podcast. I loved me some Irv Cross, and and Musburger is uh, you know 
come on, man. Like he, he's the, he's the gold standard of studio show host in, in my estimation. So, um, yeah, I think, I think, uh, like a lot of things in sports, things are getting, things are getting worse. You know, if, if I can tell the kids to get off my lawn for a moment, Ronnie, you know, it's, you can't touch the quarterback anymore. You can't play in snow anymore. Coaches can't dress like real men anymore. We've all got to just dress like a super psyched up dad who's, you know, got tickets to the game. These coaches, it's, I know the NFL makes them do it, but the Tom Landry and Bum Phillips and Hank Strams and, um, you know, guys who, who uh, look like men of stature and gravitas, we've lost that. So wait, you uh, don't like little Mikey uh, down in Miami has Capri pants? Hey, listen, man, I, I, I will give him a pass to the extent that like he, he at least, he at least is cool for what he is. You know, I I really did not, I didn't like him at all at first because, you know, my, my theory has always been the, the, the coach of a, of a football team should look like the guy that was given wedgies, not the guy that was receiving them. But having said that McDaniels is fucking funny. He's just fucking funny. He's He's smart. And he's funny, and you know I'm a big fan of smart and funny. So he won me over. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. You know the other thing that we don't get anymore too. You know we're talking about no more snow games and this and that. You know what? I don't even know the last time I saw, and I, I, I'm assuming we'll never see again, is a mud game. Like a mud, mud game is pretty the shit, place. man. There's a there's a mud game. Um, I'm not going to be able to place it off the top of my head. The, the, uh, you know, exact when it was, but it was, um, the Vikings and the Rams in the mid seventies and the players were so muddy. You couldn't even, you couldn't even read the numbers on their jerseys. I mean, you could, you could barely differentiate the two teams and they played anyway, but remember the fog bowl. I was literally going to bring that up. That was in Chicago against Philadelphia, right? Yeah. It was, it was like the game was, was, uh, you know, being played in Cheech and Chong's van, you know, <laughs> as I've said before, it was, it was right there in front of you. You couldn't see shit. It was, uh, you know, it was, it was unbelievable. And uh, I don't think there's any way that that game would be, would be played today. Chicago's had some memorable games, right? Like they have that don't, isn't that, the, they had the double doink uh, on the kick. Uh, they had the one, was it a Monday night game? where the dude jumped like 20 feet down to try to catch a, an extra point or a field goal. Great moments in Chicago sports history. Yeah. The guy who caught the uh, fucking, I think it was an extra point, but so uh, they caught it in the air and then they interviewed him on the air and he had a mullet and he was yeah, just he fired up about it. Yeah. Of course he had a mullet. It almost goes without saying you don't make, you don't make a move like that without a, without a mullet really. Did you ever have a mullet? Look, I didn't know that it was a mullet at the time. It's just what every kid in Kentucky had. <laughs> Listen, I grew my, I, I had a mullet, but I was going for the haircut. And this is, this, you look, this is, this is barely a defense because if you go look up what I'm talking about, this was clearly a bad idea also. So I'm basically defending myself and saying that I wasn't stupid by just saying that I was stupid in a different way. But I wanted the haircut that Paul McCartney had in the early 70s. That's what I was trying to duplicate. 
because, you know, now I know Paul McCartney had a mullet in the early 70s, but I never heard the term mullet until after I'd already cut it off, Ron. Yeah. You know, I, I had I had it from like maybe, you know, I would say I had it from like maybe 91 to 94, something like that. And um, and then I got my hair all cut off uh, short. I kind of did the same thing. My hair wasn't as crazy as Andre Agassi's. <laughs> and I think he was wearing a hairpiece, too, in addition to his his mullet. Absolutely. But but um, he, uh, you know, remember when he just like just buzzed his hair all off, off yep. and got serious. Mm-hmm. I, I did that, I think, in 90, 95. And so by the first, by the first time that I ever heard the term mullet used, you know, I, I already had short hair and then it was just like, Oh geez, great. Retroactively. I had a mullet. So, you know, I gotta, I gotta wear that L for the rest of my life. It's so crazy, man. The picture I'm looking at you right now that pops up on, on what we're what the, the platform we're using here is you wearing a, a white socks hat, short hair and a goatee. Like it's literally not you. Yeah, I think that's the that may be the picture of me that was in the Tribune um, uh, when uh, they did the feature on me in 2019. Um, But that's what I looked like for my entire adult life, Ron. I mean, from the time that I was, I would say from the time I was 24 until the start of COVID, I had more or less, you know, there might have been very slight variation through the years, but I had more or less the same haircut the entire time. I typically had a mustache and goatee uh, during that entire time. Uh, I did have that that entire time. Um, I only sh- I went like, you know, I, sh- I think I shaved my mustache and goatee off one time in 25 years. I would occasionally grow a full beard, but it it wasn't a big, you know, it wasn't a big beard like the like the one I have now. Dude, um, now, now now you look like you're you're in an Allman Brothers cover paint. Yeah, yeah, I, I did. <laughs> Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. I look like I'm in the, uh, I don't know. I'll have to think of what a good name would be for an Almond Brothers. Ooh, that would be good. Man. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even, I, honestly, it's funny. I don't even know Almond Brothers, uh, any songs by name. That's that's how. Whipping Post, motherfucker. What's it? What is it? What's their most famous song? I didn't say it was their most famous song, but uh, Whipping Post. Gotcha. R- Ramblin' Man, I guess, would be their That'd be, a, that'd be a good name for a band, Ramblin' Man. Jessica is a is another good one, um, as well. But yeah, they they had they had some good stuff. So yeah, when people tell me that uh, I look like one of the Almond Brothers or I look like one of their roadies or whatever, I'll I'll wear that like a badge of honor. So one of the things I was going to ask you to talk about since we're talking music now is uh, everybody doesn't everybody doesn't see every tweet that you do. Um, so why don't you uh, quickly, I guess, t- can you tell your story again about uh, the the Simon and Dylan concert that you went to, you tweeted about? <laughs> okay, well, you know, I, I'm a huge Bob Dylan fan. I've, I've seen Bob Dylan in concert, I think, 25 times. Um, I was heavy, heavy, heavy into Dylan in the 90s and in the early uh, part of this century and i'm always going to be a big bob dylan fan and i could i could tell you a lot of useless information about bob dylan 
Um, but back in the uh, late '90s, I, I was, you know, uh, following him quite a bit, and uh, I think in '99 I saw him six times that year. And um, during the summer of '99, he was touring with Paul Simon. Um, it was a double bill. They were kind of, uh, you know, they were billed as equals, which was nice of Bob. Fuck you, fuck you, Paul. Um, but they would alternate each night who opened and who closed. So, you know, one night in Indianapolis, it's, you know, Simon opening and Bob closing. And then the next night in St. Louis, it's Bob opening and Simon closing and whatever. And they traded. Did you see this combo concert six times or just Dylan six times? I saw Dylan six times that year. I saw this, I saw this tour three times. I saw them in St. Louis. Um, I saw them in uh, Nashville, and I saw them in Atlanta. So you heard 50 Ways to Lose Your Lover three times that summer? I don't think he played it on that tour. He was playing a lot of stuff that was not the hits. Interesting. And I think that's part of the reason that my buddy Joe and I did what we did to be honest, um, the story that you're referencing that I, that I tweeted about is, um, this was in, I believe this would have been probably Tennessee. I think can't remember for sure, which, which place we did this. Remember the venue? Like, was it indoor outdoor? They were all amphitheaters. Okay. They were just – they were all amphitheaters um, on this tour. The best show that I saw on this tour was Dylan scheduled a show in a little club called Bogarts in Cincinnati that was just him. Uh, and I drove up to Cincinnati from Bowling Green, Kentucky, and I stood in line for about two and a half hours to buy my tickets at the ticket window uh, for this general admission show. and. Um, Ended up getting to that show that I think it was the next day or the day after. The tickets only went on sale like right before it. You know, it's this, right? You know, Bogart still exists. Uh, yeah, yeah, actually. Yep. Um, you know, it was it was great. I mean, what a small room to see Bob Dylan in, and you know, I was probably ten feet away from him. Um, and that was the highlight. That was the highlight of 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 that summer. But anyway, as far as Paul Simon goes, he was playing the same set list every night. And in those days, Bob would mix it up. Um, you know, Bob's set list was probably in those days, it was probably anywhere from a third to a half of it. He would mix up on any given night. Um, and, um, it was, it, it was fun. You know, there, there actually used to be a, uh, a pool that I was, that I was in online with my, with my friend Joe, where people would guess the songs that Dylan was going to play and, they had point values. It was basically like fantasy Bob Dylan. Rotisserie Dylan. Yeah, it was rotisserie Dylan and it was fun, but, but uh, there couldn't have been a rotisserie Simon at that time because he, he, he had his set show. And so Joe and I early days of the internet, Joe and I, you know, would follow along and we knew exactly, we knew exactly what Simon was going to play. And so this one particular night, we decided that it would be funny, and 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 I think Simon was opening, and it was not um, 
it was not really a very um oh my god can you hear this fucking cat yeah let him go man he's part of the show now just let's go come on he's not going to be a part of the show when i strangle him yeah that Uh, would be podcast gold i would never never do that he's my he's my beloved uh, son gene Please do, for God's sake. This is this is the high quality podcast production that we that we bring you here at the Super Seventy Sports Show. Um, in, in any event, uh, trying to seg back to my my fucking train of thought, um, you know, it was kind of half empty um, because it was still daylight. You know, Simon was opening, people were filing in, um, and so it was kind of quiet. You know, and we decided that it would be funny if before every song we stood up and just started passionately pleading with him to play the song that we knew he was going to play next. (laughs) So funny. (laughs) So, you know, we would get up and, you know, I could just, I could just like pick a song at rant, right? Like, you know, we could get up and we could just be like, you know, play. And he was playing shit that was not, hits like there was a song i remember one of them was called trailways bus okay so 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 basically instead of getting up and yelling play free bird yeah play trails freeze bus yeah yeah we're 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 asking for like really obscure shit shit that you know some of these songs we didn't even know what they were until you know the tour started because they were like album cuts off of you know, albums that he had in the eighties and nineties and people the people in the audience must have thought you were like Nostradamus or something. Yeah. So we're just like, play trailways bus, play trail. And so it starts and like, he'll go into trailway trailways bus and Joe and I would just act delighted. You know, we would be jumping up and down and high fiving each other and fist pumping. Uh, like, you know, we were like, we were basically dictating what Paul Simon's set list was. So good. And people were looking at us and it was like, they didn't know what to think. And this went on, this went on like probably too long, but we did it for like, probably like six or seven songs um, (laughs) to the point that like, I know it had to be annoying Paul Simon. Um, But, you know, and so I, I tweeted about this and I kind of, it was a long tweet, you know, it was one of those where you had to click on the tweet to see the whole thing. And, um, I basically sort of like led people along to think that I was going to apologize. And, you know, I got to the end and I said, I just would like Paul Simon to know if he reads this, that I still think it's funny. Yeah. It was, Hey, you, you didn't realize at the time, but you were doing it for content. I was doing it for content. I, uh, you know, 25 years later, I'm going to podcast about this. Yep. It's 90, you know, 1999 me wondered what the fuck a podcast was. Well, it's kind of like uh, what I hear the 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 uh, the last time the uh, Cowboys won the Super Bowl, there was no such thing as Google. And then everybody was saying, and this is true, that, that everybody finally got to to text to their friends that the Lions won a playoff game for text hadn't been and texting didn't exist the last time that that happened. Well, so, I mean, the Lions only had what one playoff win? Ninety-three. Yeah, like ninety-one or ninety-three. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think it was. It might have been. I don't know if that was an Eric Kramer team or a Scott Mitchell team, but um, look, I'm happy for Detroit. I think Dan Campbell seems like one of the best guys in in not only the NFL but in sports. 
Um, I, I would want to play for Dan Campbell if, uh, it, you know, if I if I were a, a, an NFL athlete. So I'm happy for Detroit, and I'll tell you this, I'm, I'm rooting for them. Of the teams that are left in this, I don't have a strong rooting interest. Uh, I'm, I'm going to pull for the Detroit Lions because they're the they're the Chicago Cubs of football, you know. So, uh, God bless them, everybody in Detroit. You guys have suffered for for far too long. And uh, if there's any organization in the in the NFL, I mean, you know, the Browns uh, have a claim, but if there's any organization in the NFL that deserves to have something good happen, it's it's the it's the Detroit Lions. So. Uh, you know, I'm I'm going to ride with them for as long as uh, as long as it lasts. And there's nothing quite like Hawaii blue, is there? I, I'll tell you, they they they've ruined their uniforms. They have. They've really ruined their uniforms. But um, you know, despite that fact, uh, I'm I'm, I'm going to ride with them. All right. So it's not quite yet time to say goodbye, Ricky. It's final four, and I hope this one goes well because we've had some duds. Well, now whose fault? Well, whose fault is that? Uh, absolutely yours. So, you ready? I'm always ready. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to make it. It can be favorite slash best. So it could just you're, you're just thinking it up right now, aren't you? I, do you want do you want me to take a screenshot and show it to you that I I had it that I, I had it written down? So it can be favorite or best. All right. Professional siblings in sports. So I'm going to give you one right now that I don't think you're going to use. If you are, if if it's in there, then feel free to use it. But Reggie Miller and Cheryl Miller, the duo of siblings. So. Who do you think are the best or your favorite sibling duos in sports? And it can be. Right, well, look, I mean, first of all, you've got to be loyal to the people who have been cool to you is one of the things that I believe in life. So the 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 first shout out would have to go to the Boone brothers. Okay. Aaron Boone and Brett Boone. Okay. Uh, Brett, who has been on my old podcast and. If you ever want to uh, Google Super 70 Sports Podcast, you will find it on Apple. Um, uh, there's about 50-some episodes of that, and they're all long-form interviews of me and various guests. Rob Lowe, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Joe Theismann, Dan Issel, Barry Williams from the Brady Bunch. Um, Brett Boone happened to be one of them, and, and Aaron Boone, of course, is uh, one of uh, a select group of only a couple of guests that we've ever had on in the history of, of this show. So um, shout out to the Boone boys uh, who have, who have both been um, uh, really uh, good friends of super 70 sports. So that, that would be my, that would be the first of my final four. Okay. Um, look, I mean, how do we feel about the Kelsey's are, are, are you know, the Kelsey's, Q factor, if you will, has shot through the goddamn roof ever since this relationship. Hey, 16 Pro Bowls between them. So, well, they're both Hall of Famers. Are they not? Oh, gosh, absolutely. Travis Kelsey hasn't been to 10 Pro Bowls. 
uh, he got to this one. His is ninth, and uh, and uh, Jason is seven. Okay, wow. Well, look, uh, everybody who's been to that many Pro Bowls from the center position is in the Hall of Fame. So um, Jason Kelsey is going to go to the Hall of Fame one day. Travis is clearly going to go to the Hall of Fame one day. He's also going to go to the Hall of Fame <laughs> of just swagger and uh, you know b- b- being a baller. There, there's a guy who uh, there's a guy who believed in himself. Hey, imagine imagine being as rich and as famous and as good at his craft as Travis. See, then finding a woman that's so far out of your league, it's unbelievable. Hey, listen, they're only out of your league if you don't believe in it, right? If you believe they're out of your league, then they're out of your league. If you don't believe they're out of your league, they might still be out of your league, but hey, who knows, right? You got a puncher's chance. Shoot your shot. Shoot your shot, shot, baby. And uh, Travis Kelsey shot his shot and uh, good on him. Uh, I, I, I like the Kelsey boys, you know. Uh, Travis, uh, follows super seventies and, um, you know, I, immediately I'm on his side for that reason, but he, but he's followed for a number of years. Um, so I'll tell, um, you, I'll tell you what, Ricky, um, first of all, uh, they're from Cleveland Heights. That's where I started my school journey. I went to half a year of kindergarten in Cleveland Heights. My mom, was that, before, was that before you flunked out? Yeah. My mom graduated from the same high school that they did Cleveland Heights high. So there's that, but uh, other than Look this, at you here, like you're like Forrest Gump. Your life is like intersecting with like oh. everything significant this episode. Yeah, no shit, man. Other than this podcast, their podcast is pretty good. Like New Heights, like I listen to it. They're, I enjoy listening to them go back and forth. It's pretty good. And they are both the thing that I love about them is, man, that they own everything about their performances in football. Like if they play like shit, they don't try to sugarcoat it. They're just like, man, I played terrible. I couldn't like, I I was totally my fault that that happened. Like it's, it's so refreshing to listen to athletes, not try to spin something like it's fantastic. No, I'm, I'm a fan of the Kelsey's. Um, as far as like, gosh, uh, I'm trying to think, you know, I can think of a bunch as far as like trying to, figure out like, uh, you know, who my, who my favorites are. That's, that's a little bit, that's a little bit more challenging. I mean, gosh, like who are the, who are the candidates? I mean, the Alou brothers in baseball, I realized that as a communist, uh, provocateur that, that you are, who's just been planted here by the Chinese government, uh, you don't know who the fucking Alou brothers are, but, uh, Jesus, uh, Maddie, and uh, F- Felipe Alou, uh, I've you know, heard of Felipe Alou. Yeah, well, they they were the Alou brothers were 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 a pretty big deal. Um, I don't know, like ba- like like if I say basketball brothers, I mean you got Dominique Wilkins and Gerald Wilkins. Yeah, that's actually interesting because when I came up with this question, I actually occurred to me that it's the one sport that I don't feel like there's a lot of brother tandems. I feel like we're we're probably just missing some. I if, mean, uh, if you if, know, Brooke and Robin Lopez. <laughs> yeah, they're just they. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the one right there, right? So here's the here's the one that you I just think you completely 
overlooked, and it's it's Serena and Venus. Well, yeah, I was thinking I was thinking team sports, but yeah, yeah, I mean Serena and Venus as far as a level of accomplishment. I mean, in the case of Venus, you know, <laughs> Venus Williams is a five-time Wimbledon champion. It and is, she's not even close. She's not even close to being the the best uh, tennis player in her own family. Crazy, right? Yeah, I mean, usually, you know, look, Cal Ripken and Billy Ripken is usually a little more what you end up with, right? There's like uh, right. Hank Aaron and Tommy Aaron, right? Yeah, uh, so, you you've yeah. got the alpha brother, and then you've got the the brother that yep. uh, you know is like, ha, you know, and I'm from the same family too. Yep, give me a shot. Uh, so there you've got the Mannings. Yeah. The Mannings that's, that's clearly a high caliber brother tandem. You've got the Watts. Yeah. That's that. Now that one's really strong. Yep. You've got the Necros in baseball. Necros in baseball is a, you know, and, and Gaylord Perry's brother, Jim, uh, also won over 200 games. You know, Phil was a 300 game winner. His brother, Joe was a 200 game winner. And the same thing was true with Gaylord Perry and his and his brother Jim. Yep. So so it seems like football. You said, has yep. Like you fuck like you fucking knew anything about the Perry brothers. Yeah. It's so, just like yep, Jim Perry. He's one of my favorite baseball players. Motherfucker, <laughs> you don't even you can't even name Shohei Otani. Who's that? <laughs> yeah, the, 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 see, the real part is is like people don't understand that you're barely you're barely joking. Oh, listen, I'm so. I'm so beside myself with anticipation right now for one pitchers and catchers report. God, I can't wait. Oh, it's going to be amazing. Going to be amazing, Ricky. Um, you've got the uh, Barber brothers in football. Yes, yes, that's a hall. That's a Hall of Fame tandem. The Sharp brothers. Uh, you know, Absolutely. Sterling was Sterling was my favorite. And well, I mean, so you've got a Hall of Famer in in uh, in one and. One that would have been had he not got hurt, I I believe. Oh, right. I I completely agree with that. He he was certainly been a Hall of Famer. I, I tell everybody to this day, uh, Sterling Sharp's one of the five best wide receivers I've ever seen. Yep, I know you. Do. We've talked we've talked about it before. So it seems like it seems like there's it seems like football has a lot, doesn't it? Like I know there's stuff that we're missing. There's uh there has. Some- some people are listening right now and they, they have a really good one in their mind and they're thinking like, why don't you say it? You dumb motherfuckers. Right. And right. it's just not, it's just not coming to us. Boxing has had some good ones. I mean, Michael Spinks and oh, Leon yeah. Spinks mm-hmm. uh, were both, were both heavyweight. Uh, we're both lineal uh, heavyweight champions. Uh, what, uh, if, what about, um, what about um, uh, Doug Holyfield and Evander Holyfield? <laughs> Did you say Doug Holyfield? I just made up the, the just the most normal. <laughs> Doug Holyfield had one of the greatest left hooks that yeah. I've that I've ever seen. Okay, were there any other box? Oh, the Klitschkos. Klitschko brothers were a couple of badasses, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely true. Um, so yeah, there have there have been some. Uh, was there any brother golfers? Like I can't do it. You, I'm, sure I'm trying to think of like brother golfers who have both won. I mean, the Molinari brothers, um, uh, Francesco Mar- Molinari won the won the Open Championship, and his brother had some wins on the European tour. His brother Eduardo. Um, I'm trying to think if there's a better 
better brother tandem that I can come up with off the off the top of my head. I can't really. Um, you know, it's usually again, it's usually the really talented brother and then the other brother. It's like John McEnroe and his brother Patrick. Yeah, yeah, that's a good, but that's a good one though. That's a good one. So I mean, let's 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 take a step back to one I already said. It is are Cheryl and Reggie the best sibling basketball combo? Like in terms of what they achieved? Well, I mean off, off the top of off the top of my head, I mean, um it's I mean, they're both in the Hall of Fame. Are there any is there any other sibling combination that are both in the Hall of Fame? I mean, Caitlin and Doug Clark might be at some point. <laughs> Doug Holyfield. That's that is that is that's beautiful. I'm just trying to imagine Doug Holyfield. He's wearing like Dockers and like a polo. He's got and he has he's got no kids. He's got no kids. You know, he sell, he sells insurance. I can't, I'm almost crying right now. <laughs> Doug Holyfield. He's like Carlton from uh, fucking Fresh Prince. Alfonso. Yeah. <laughs> He, he dances like Carlton. Doug Holyfield. <laughs> Literally, there's tears in my eyes right now. Ah, you know what time I think it is, Ronnie? Crap, Ricky. It's time to say goodbye. Goodbye, Ricky. Ricky. <laughs> we thank you for joining us on the, what was this, the second episode of uh, 2024? All right. Well, look, two episodes, 17 days into the year, you know, we've done worse. We hope that you've enjoyed this one and and may, may Doug Holyfield inspire you between now and the time of our next podcast, as much as I'm sure that it will inspire me. And we'll see you next time. Rex Crumb and Jen Turner on the Super 70 Sports Show. God, oh my God, oh my God. It's gotta be Cobb! It's gotta be Cobb!